Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to everyone listening, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 17 of the Well-Read Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bierke, aka The Real Bookish Writer. I am a reader, writer, bookseller, book festival goer, and I am and always have been obsessed with genre fiction. For those of you who are new here, in this episode there will be two segments. The first is a review section of the books I've read in the past week, and the second consists of a new author interview. So let's dive in. The first book I read was An Education in Malice by S.T. Gibson. Deep in the forgotten hills of Massachusetts stands St. Perpetua's College. Isolated and ancient, it is not a place for timid girls. Here, secrets are currency, ambition is lifeblood, and strange ceremonies welcome students into the fold. On her first day of class, Laura Sheridan is thrust into an intense academic rivalry with the beautiful Carmilla. Together, they are drawn into the confidence of their demanding poetry professor, De La Fontaine, who holds her own dark obsession with Carmilla. But as their rivalry blossoms into something far more delicious, Laura must confront her own strange hungers. Tangled in a sinister game of politics, bloodthirsty professors, and dark magic, Laura and Carmilla must decide how much they are willing to sacrifice in their ruthless pursuit of knowledge. I fell in love with Gibson's writing when I read her last book, Dowry of Blood, and An Education in Malice did not disappoint. This book is dark and lush and gorgeous. It's sapphic and glorious and full of desire and obsession. Once I started, I didn't want to put it down and was pulled into the pages by Gibson's beautiful, gothic, and enchanting writing. I've also been a fan of vampires my entire life, so I was hooked just from the synopsis. Thank you so much to Orbit for the advanced copy, and you can get yours on February 13th. The second book I finished was The Isle of the Gods by Amy Kaufman. When Sally's father leaves her high and dry in the port of Kirkpool, she has no intention of riding out the winter on land while he sails to adventure in the North Seas. But any plans to follow him are dashed when a handsome stranger with telltale magician's marks on his arms boards her ship, presenting her and the crew with a dangerous mission to cross the Crescent Sea without detection so he can complete a ritual on the sacred Isle of the Gods. What starts as a leisure cruise will lead to acts of treason and sheer terror on the high seas, bringing two countries to the brink of war, two strangers closer than they ever thought possible, and stirring two dangerous gods from centuries of slumber. This multi-point-of-view young adult fantasy is fun and exciting, it's very well done, is definitely a character-driven story full of twists and turns, treason and treachery, and it ends on a great cliffhanger. Their third one I finally read was Check and Mate by Ellie Hazelwood. Mallory Greenleaf is done with chess. Every move counts nowadays. After the sport led to the destruction of her family four years earlier, Mallory's focus is on her mom, her sisters, and the dead-end job that keeps the lights on. That is until she begrudgingly agrees to play in one last charity tournament and inadvertently wipes the boards with notorious king killer Nolan Sawyer current world champion and reigning bad boy of chess. Nolan's loss to an unknown rookie shocks everyone. What's even more confusing, his desire to cross pawns again. What kind of gambit is Nolan playing? The smart move would be to walk away, resign, game over. But Mallory's victory opens the door to sorely needed cash prizes, and despite everything, she can't help feeling drawn to the strategist. As she rockets up the ranks, Mallory struggles to keep her family safely separated from the game that wrecked it in the first place. And as her love for the sport she so desperately wanted to hate begins to rekindle, Mallory quickly realizes that the games aren't only on the board. The spotlight is brighter than she imagined, and the competition can be fierce. Fiercely attractive, and intelligent, and infuriating. First of all, I officially need more romance books about chess. Secondly, this book was fun, sweet, and filled with great banter. 
I loved Mallory and Nolan's backstories and how Mallory navigates the professional world of chess as a woman in a predominantly male profession. And Nolan, I love Nolan. Just like I do with all of Allie's books, I highly recommend this one. Well, that's it for this week's review, so let's move on to the interview portion of the episode. My guest today is USA Today and Sunday Times bestselling fantasy author of Daughter of the Moon Goddess and Heart of the Sun Warrior. Her third book, Tales of the Celestial Kingdom, is a companion novel to her first two and is out February 6th by Harper Voyager. Born in Malaysia, she studied in London and France before moving to Hong Kong with her family. Her love of stories began with a gift from her father, her first compilation of fairy tales from around the world. After devouring every fable she could find in the library, she discovered fantasy books, spending much of her childhood lost in magical worlds. When not writing or reading, she enjoys exploring the hills, lakes, and temples around her home. So please welcome the amazing Sue Lin Tan. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sue Lin, for being here. I'm so excited to have you on. And honestly, I am beyond honor to talk, to chat with you because I read uh, Daughter of the Moon Goddess last year and I was I was just blown away by how beautiful your writing is and how beautiful the story is and same with Heart of the Sun Warrior and Tales of the Celestial Kingdom like I am just obsessed uh with this world that you've created so how are you doing Oh, now I feel like crying. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying because I have you on here. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking me on the podcast. I, I'm really excited to be here and to speak with you. And I'm so, so happy to hear that that you like the books. It really means so much to me. Yeah. I honestly, I when I read it, I swear I went and researched you like two or three times to like double check that this was indeed like your debut because this like Daughter of the Moon <laughs> Goddess was so beautiful Sulin. like your writing I, I just it's gorgeous the way you write the the way you create your worlds and your characters and your dialogue and your descriptions like it is just honestly like I was just completely blown away by how gorgeous these books are um and obviously like I said that has carried into Heart of the Sun Warrior um but I could sit here and I could gush about your books for probably an hour and a half <laughs> So let's start. (laughs) You're like, actually, I wouldn't mind that. (laughs) So let's start off with why did you want to become a writer and how did it happen? Well, I've always loved writing, Um, you know, since I was a kid, writing some, you know, short stories, all that kind of stuff. But becoming a writer was not something that I actually thought was possible because um, I didn't know any writers. I didn't know anything about writing. Um, I never studied it. And uh, I came from a very practical family. (laughs) So so, um, it was always something at the back of my mind, though. It was just something that I always went back to, like um, when I had free time, when I, you know, just sit down and I just think about how I would imagine, you know, my life being different and always be like, oh, I wish I wish I could write. And so one day I decided to write and everything just kind of felt like it fell into place. Even, I mean, I'll admit, I didn't know what I was doing like half the time, but all I knew was that I really, really loved writing and the feeling of writing. And I loved thinking of, you know, like new worlds where things could happen, anything could happen, you know, the good and the bad. I love thinking about, you know, how 
like things that can't exist in this world or don't exist in this world, like magic or things that are very beautiful and also the other side of things that could be very terrifying or scary as well. And um, I also love thinking about people, you know, like characters that get into really bad situations <laughs> and trying to think about how they, you know, what, what drives them, what motivates them, because it's not always very clear because we're all very mixed up people inside. It's not usually like one thing that makes us do one thing. Sometimes it's just things from our past that, you know, just combine and just, you know, create this thing that happens. And it may not just be just because they're a bad person or a good person, but maybe because there's, you know, there's no choice or it's just how things have fallen into place at that point in time. So um, I love thinking about emotions as well and what, what drives people and what motivates them and what makes them fall in love. And I also love, you know, sharing all the things that I love about, about writing and reading and different worlds with, with readers. So, and I also get to stay at home a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is the dream. Most of the time. <laughs> and then when I got to go out, it's like, oh, I need to dress up. <laughs> right. Oh man, I got to put appropriate clothes on. This sucks. I'm the same way. Like, like half jeans. of me. Oh, jeans. <laughs> I had to go to uh, my boyfriend's work's Christmas party last night and I had to put on makeup and I am like, I am a pajama, comfy clothes girl. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to work. I have to wear a dress. Like I have to put makeup on. Uh, so I, I get it. Literally half of the reason I swear why I want to be a writer is so I can stay at home and work from home with my puppy dogs and be home in my pajamas. <laughs> I swear that's the dream. So I appreciate that. No, very few, very few phone calls, right? It's all like mostly emails. <laughs> exactly. I am, and I am very much an introvert. Like I have bad social anxiety, and so those emails—that's the way to communicate with me. <laughs> so I get that. I appreciate that. No, but the party sounds fun, though. <laughs> it was. Oh it was a lot of fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. But I was like, oh my goodness, because I had a couple interviews yesterday, and so it was kind of a nice, you know way to end the day go out and you know have a yeah. drink and hang out with some friends and relax but um so out of all the genres you could write why did you choose fantasy and kind of where did your love of stories come from because it came like you've had that since uh, ever since you were a young kid correct like your love of stories yes I've always loved reading and I was the kind of like kid that didn't want to go out <laughs> If I had a good book that I was into, I would just stay at home and have it. And if I got dragged out by my cross parents, I would like bring the book along with me and probably make everyone like annoyed. <laughs> same way, would, same way. Oh, oh, I would just sit and like want to read it through. And, you know, I really, when I was young, I just really liked fairy tales because, you know, they were like, I, they were just so magical and they were just, you know, different worlds and, and all kinds of things that don't happen in our real world. And I think that was where I really, really started to really love reading about all types of different things. My father would like used to buy us like books and there would be these compilations of fairy tales. I mean, stories from, you know, the West, stories from the East as well in different parts of the world. And I found that really, really fascinating because it also opened up like a lot of different um, <clears throat> ideas and a lot, of, a lot about different cultures to me as well. And I just, uh, from there, I just really loved writing fantasy because I like um, not being constrained by, you know, like real life. <laughs> Very, it's very inconvenient to not have magic <laughs> it really and, is yeah I know how much easier our day would be right like <laughs> I, it's just something about um letting your imagination like you know take you to different places and not being constrained by by things of the real world and for myself when I when I read I enjoy like escaping into you know different places different worlds things that are different from you know 
day-to-day -day world and everything. And that is part of the reason why I write as well, to hope that readers also can find the same escapism. Now, because uh, Daughter of the Moon Goddess, it is inspired by the Chinese moon goddess story of Chang'e. Now, when you sat down and you decided, okay, I want to write a story based off of, you know, my love of fairy tales and my love of mythology and folklore, why that story? Like, why did you choose to base and have Daughter of the Moon Goddess inspired by Chang'e? You know, it's really, it's a really interesting one for me because it was not something where I sat down and I thought, I want to write a story about the moon goddess. Well, the legend of Chang'e is one that um, I've loved since I was a child. And it's one that's often retold during the mid-autumn festival. Um, and that's a, a time of year where a lot of close family and friends get together and share a meal. It's my favorite festival because to me, it's a little bit more intimate than the Lunar New Year, which is you know a lot louder and it's a lot bigger and everything. I, and I have so many good memories of that time because you know it, it's not just the food and the mooncakes, which are which are really delicious, but it's also being together with you know people who are who mean a lot to you. And um, I actually remember carrying lanterns with my cousins and my sister, and, and the moon would be a full moon in the sky because it was always held on the night where instead the moon is brightest, right? So um, I also remember one of the first images of Chang'e that actually come to my mind is actually seeing her on a mooncake tin, you know, flying toward the moon with the clouds. They don't always put the husband Akoyi at the bottom, maybe because, you know, it, I don't know how it would impact the whole picture, but that that is kind of the image in my head and it always looks so, so magical, right? And I guess my interest in the story just, just grew from there. And it's one of those stories that stayed with me over time. And I think it was largely because of the ending. Um, I guess you're familiar with the story now. <laughs> so so I, won't, I won't go into the details of it, right? But um, I mean, just in brief, you know, when, when the 10 suns are in the sky and Hoi shot down nine of them, um, he was gifted the elixir of immortality, but he didn't take it because it was said that he loved his wife very much and there wasn't enough of both of them. And so there are many versions of why Chang'e actually took the elixir and each of the versions paint her in a very different light. There's very different motivation, right? And um, for myself, you know, I always felt that they were very much in love and it would have been a really hard decision for her to make to actually take that elixir, knowing that it would be eternal separation from you know, her beloved husband. And so it was just this idea at the back of my mind, maybe because I always wanted the happy ending at the end of the day, I was like, what if there was a different reason for it? And, um, you know, and it was so funny because I think the things that came to me first about the story was actually the title, Daughter of the Moon Goddess, and the first line, which is, there are many legends about my mother. And um, I mean, those are also two things that have not changed at all, surprisingly, through the many rounds of edits. And it was from there, really, that the whole story took shape. And, it, you know, I, I just loved writing everything about it you know, because it's sort of the legend meant so much to me. I wanted to preserve certain elements of it, but I also was able to take it in a whole new direction. And um, well, I had a lot of fun with it there. <laughs> so, And I mean, like I said, I could spend an hour just telling you like just the way you write I know like you said you you didn't grow up wanting to be a writer you know you didn't go to school to be a writer but there is something about the way you craft your sentences and like your word structure and it's honestly like I'm still when I read it I'm still blown away by how beautiful your story is it's honestly one of the most beautiful books I think I've ever read and it's just, I'm just, it's just oh a gorgeous God. story. 
it's honest honestly like just a gorgeous story as soon as i read daughter of the moon goddess i was like i don't care what she writes she could write an ad for a cereal company and i would still read it like it's just it's insane how beautiful (laughs) i would still read it i would still do it and so with with the duology being done and the book that's coming out um tales of the celestial kingdom it's a compilation of different stories of different characters within the duology so why did you want to go back and write these extra stories you know was it something that you always knew you wanted to do or was it something that afterwards when you finished heart of the sun warrior you're just like you know what these people deserve some time you know they deserve some stories to themselves what made you want to do it you know well going back to the first point I think in my heart, I always wanted to be a writer, but I never thought it was possible. possible. <laughs> yeah, I think it is just, I think writing and reading have always been like an absolute great love of mine. Um, for, for Tales of the Celestial Kingdom, uh, that was quite a roundabout path. <laughs> so, so what happened was after I finished, you know, How the Sun Warrior, I think I had a bit of a hangover from the characters as in they were still kind of in my head and very much alive then. And I, and what I did first was actually, um, I wrote the compilation of, of stories that are like a prequel. So it's actually the, the retelling of Chang'e, a reimagining, I would say, of Chang'e and Ho'i, but set in the world of the Celestial Kingdom. So there are differences, you know, from the original myth and legend, because they're interpreted with, you know, the, the ending and, the, and the, basically the reason that I had in mind at that point in time. So I wrote those first. And the, and it was, I think it was, it was very, I found it really, really interesting to get into the heads of, you know, both Chang'e and Ho'i. And I was actually quite intimidated because they're both little giants of Chinese mythology. And I was, I was a little scared to, to try and like get into the heads, but it was also very exciting at the same time. Uh, and after that, I wrote the epilogue. <laughs> and it was, I don't, I, I can't even describe, it was just like a feeling inside of me that I just, wanted to see for myself how this would go, you know what I mean? Because even though we have ideas, until we actually put it, until I put it down on pen, on like pen and paper and think about what the characters are saying, thinking at a point in time, and then, then it really starts to take shape for me. And that was, and I found that very, very emotional because for me, I felt that was my final farewell to those characters in a way. And, um, and to be honest, I never thought that these stories would be in a book. And um, my, when my editors first suggested it, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't quite sure on everything, but they mentioned illustrations map and we talked about the idea and it took shape and I, I was very, very excited about it. And my initial idea was to, was to link the book to actually a charity because I, I really wanted to, to give back, but that proved to be very logistically challenging on, on the publisher side. My editor tried very, very hard. So that is something which I resolved to do on my end. Um, and then I wrote, all the other short stories because of those characters that I really wanted to give a voice to that because um, even though I felt that you know they, they were in the book and you know they, they would have been fleshed out in their motivations and things they did just giving them you know the point of view and how things panned out in certain parts of the story where I felt had emotional resonance which might not be the great grand like final scene or battle or anything and um, so that was kind of where I took Tales of the Celestial Kingdom. <laughs> so I, I gotta ask yeah. Who is your favorite character that you wrote? <laughs> I have to ask. I have to ask. Who, oh. if, like, if you had to pick one character where you were just like, they were my favorite to write. I was just so excited whenever I had to write about them in a scene, in a chapter, who would you pick? Well, definitely, you know, seeing the main character. Is she, I think, 
writing her was just so so easy for me do you know what I mean it was just mm -hmm. like for example um I just uh, I don't know her thoughts and her feelings and everything and it may be because I've been in her head all this while and and I'm just really excited by how she does things as well because to me I find I find her to be inspiring for myself <laughs> she's you know she's she's a lot braver and you know a lot more dynamic and everything than than I think I could ever be and um I find and I think her thing is that she really believes in core things and they may not be like the strict things like honor for the kingdom or for for valor or anything like that but they're things which mean a lot to her and I, and how far she's going to go for them is something which really resonates you know in my heart i find very admirable and how she stands up to you know the different challenges and the dangers and everything like i think we're all we all get scared and we all crack and and i think that she can she does that too and i think having to go through that through that phase and coming on the other side i think that's what I personally find admirable about her and she and she's definitely you know like I said a lot braver and everything more than myself so I do have other characters I do like to write in the book as well <laughs> I see I see from your expression you're like come on <laughs> come on who is it who else do you like writing I also like writing the romantic interest <laughs> I find and they are fantastic I have, I have to be very cagey here <laughs> because you know <laughs> <laughs> Everybody might have read like both books or, or anything, right? So so I do like writing both romantic interests in very different ways. One of them is, you know, like, you know, to me, like classic, classic, you know, heroic prince and everything, right? Someone who you would li literally pick from the pages of a fairy book, minus a few things that he did. <laughs> and the other one was very intriguing because I, I, I do enjoy getting into a very complex character as well. One with, you know, one with the past. That might have shaped certain things as well and oh, like I said it's very hard to talk within like okay don't spoil anything right now don't spoil but, anything yeah <laughs> it's, it is it is hard they were both very interesting so I enjoyed going into you know one side of the whole romantic entanglement and then into the other side as well so yeah well that just said and nothing <laughs> that was just like <laughs> Okay, for those of you who read both books, I think you kind of know what I mean. Thank you. <laughs> yes, just and for those of you who haven't, just read the books. That's all I'm going to say. And it was very difficult when I sent um, you the questions. It was very hard for me not to ask questions like specifically about certain characters because I was like, there may be people who are listening who haven't read the books and I don't want to spoil it. But oh my, it's so good. But <laughs> speaking back to the romantic entanglements, I will 100% admit that a love triangle is not normally my favorite thing to read. I feel like a lot of authors, it's just, it's not fleshed out well enough. And I don't necessarily understand why the love triangle would be present, but <laughs> not in this book. I'm like, it's just, it's again, it just goes back to how mind blowing and well, well written this book is because the love triangle in this, in this series is, it's chef's kiss. It is so well written and it is so freaking good. So I do want to ask, why did you choose to go that route? Why did you choose to have those two characters without spoiling anything? <laughs> do you know what's really funny? When I began writing Dora the Moon Goddess, so I didn't, okay, I mean, like I said, I, <clears throat> I just kind of wrote. <laughs> so, And so I didn't know anything about tropes either. So I didn't even plan on this being a love triangle at all for Daughter of the Moon Goddess, I, I will say that. And when, when, I wrote, when I wrote the book, I mean, 
for me, it was more like, you know, consecutive relationships with just very um, unresolved situations, like unresolved feelings. Because, you know, sometimes when, when you get out of a relationship, it's not, it's never, I think it's rarely like a clean kind of break where you don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you feel stronger than other times. So I guess this is one where, you know, the lingering emotions that remained were just stronger than, than the usual situation. And um, it was just that I wanted to her to have, you know, different, you know, different romantic experiences with, with very different people as well that reflect also how she evolves and grows as a character. So that that was just how it, it evolved kind of in Dark of the Moon Goddess. And then people were read and they were like, oh, love triangle. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was I totally meant to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yes. First, I was, so that that is um, the evolution of the first book on that on that side. But it was very interesting it, writing the two different characters because I think different people also bring out different parts of us as well because I mm -hmm. think we we resonate to different parts about them. So that to me also helps her to grow it, it grow in a lot of different ways as well. This book, I'm telling you, after this though, <laughs> just <laughs> maybe maybe just a little bit, just a tiny bit. But this book and these books like this series is just it's so it's so freaking good so cutting because again I could just talk to you literally for three hours about how much I love these books and how good they are but so and I can totally cut this out if you cannot talk about this mm, but dangerous <laughs> I have to ask because on Goodreads I saw when I was looking up some information about the uh tales it says that there is a celestial kingdom number three in the works. Is this true? Can you oh. confirm this? If you can't, <laughs> I can totally cut this out. No, no, I'm happy. I'm happy to talk about this one because I was just like chatting. Well, I was just talking to my editor about this. And um, well, let me see. Mm, so I would say that it is a, not a direct continuation of the books. Right. Okay. It is set in the same world, but you know, different part of it. But it's completely new characters and a completely new story as well. I'm very, very excited about it. It's a standalone and um it can be read independently of all the other books in the series, Star of the Moon Goddess, Harvest Sun Warrior, you know, Tales. And you it will not spoil anything in those books as well if you if you read this book, which we haven't revealed the title yet. <laughs> Still, it's I'm been so excited. Book. It's been untitled book for like the longest time right now. So um, I'm very excited for when we can actually review the title and more about it. So we were thinking whether we should actually change that because it does look like a direct continuation right now when when in my mind, at least it's actually not. So. It's not. But still, that's exciting to be able to come back to this world that you've created and explore all these other different characters that, that are, you know, and that's going to be exciting all new and it's very I'm very excited to share more about it it's a little bit um hmm. <laughs> yeah don't don't editor? don't get in trouble don't get it's in trouble really tricky you know I'm not even sure my editor has read it yet so <laughs> whatever whatever you see in Goodreads right now I don't think anyone has read this book yet so it's very hard to explain but I will say that there is a mortal element and there is an immortal element in it as well I it, it's there's quite a love story there uh one that you know I, I it just kind of evolved to me and I wrote some stuff that I found myself a little surprised by as well so yeah excited to share more about this one later <laughs> I'm very excited for that oh my goodness I'm gonna be I swear looking up like every couple weeks to seeing if anything is updated <laughs> oh I'm so excited and I'm so glad that you're 
that you're coming back to this world. I'm so excited to get another story in this in this universe. That's exciting. Congratulations. I'm very excited. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, you were born in Malaysia and then you studied in London and France before you moved to Hong Kong with your family. Now, how have your travels and living in these different places kind of influenced the stories that you tell and influenced the stories that you want to write? Well, it's um I found it really helps in a lot of ways when I want to visualize places. I'm a very visual person. So when I imagine like a new world or something, I like to see all the images in my head as well, like how how things look. And I try and describe it from that point, that point in time. So for um, so like when I was writing this bamboo forest scene and uh, I was thinking of, you know, how the bamboos, how the bamboo forest in Arashiyama that I visited, like look like, you know, what were the scents, you know, how, how high they towered and everything. So all these things like helped bring it to life. And um, when I was thinking about palaces as well, I mean, we research as well other places, but I also, there's also a feel of like stepping into places like, you know, the summer palace in Beijing or everything, which, which I found really, really like helpful in, in giving all these places like, you know, form and, you know, like structure in my mind. So um, definitely helped. And, food part helped too. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very big in food. So where, wherever I go, eating is always like a big part as well. And um, trying different foods, you know, all that definitely part of the travels and into the books as well. <laughs> very nice. Well, now that you live in Hong Kong, because I definitely 100% want to visit Hong Kong at some point, because I love traveling. Oh, and <laughs> so I have to ask, what is your favorite thing to do in Hong Kong? Where are your favorite places to visit? You know, and if someone is visiting for the first time, what is like the one thing that you recommend they do and I eat? Let's thing. also do that. <laughs> one thing you can you can give me as many as you want. <laughs> very general stuff like eat dim sum. <laughs> no, I think oh oh this is fun. Let's see. Um, I think a lot of people when they think about Hong Kong and it's true, it's like it's it's a very very vibrant and exciting city. You know, there's like lots of like nightlife and shopping and lots of food i'm not so good in the first two more more in the second more in the last one right so and it, it's true we have like very beautiful like you know like night like nightline and everything and, and skyscrapers and everything but what i really love about this place is actually you know the, the natural beauty of it and i think that's something which a lot of people don't think of when they think of hong kong but my one of my favorite activities to do here is actually to go hiking so especially when i'm stuck <laughs> like on like a tricky plot point or something is not working out or just knowing I have to rewrite like a whole section. <laughs> I just need some air. <laughs> so, and, and so, you know, I just go, I just go hiking, you know, and it's very accessible. Like it's not that there are different levels of, you know, how challenging it gets as well. And it's just something about being, you know, in like mountains and trees and, you know, looking at like water and everything. And I find that that is really like, you know, um, refreshing to my spirit at least. Um, I love this island called Cheongchao Island. I think if you look at my old Instagram, you might see some old pictures of it, but it's this, there are like, you know, fishing boats there, like wonderful seafood and, you know, temples. Um, and it's, it's just one of my favorite places to go to, though it is getting busy. There are lots of, and this is more than one, isn't it? <laughs> you can honestly, I will take any and all recommendations that you're willing to give. Well, you must let me know when you come and then, you know, we can get, go into more details. But yes, there are lots of um, wonderful places to visit there. My, one of my favorite streets is actually Lee Tong Avenue, which they put lanterns at night and the lanterns change depending whether it's a you know, mid-autumn festival or whether it's Christmas. And, you know, it's just it's just a very beautiful place. So <laughs> that's cool. OK, so when I visit, I'm definitely going to slide into your messages and be like, yes, Su Lin, <laughs> give me some recommendations, please. I need some really good recommendations. Oh, that's got to be so cool. 
how has been how has it been querying and doing the whole publishing experience while you live in Hong Kong? Like has it has there been has it been difficult or has it been pretty pretty easy since everything's on you know online now? I think that um, it's been, I mean, I work a lot with my editor and my teams on email and everything, but I would have loved to like meet people in person. I think there's just something to meeting them in real life. And um, I would also have loved like seeing the book in the stores. <laughs> it was, it was a while, I think it was during COVID time. So it was actually a while before I actually saw the book in the stores. But um, I, so while I feel very fortunate that because of technology, this is even possible in the first place that, you know, I could even, you know, have a book published all the way out here. And I'm grateful, you know, for my editors and my publishing team and my agent for helping to make this process as easy as possible. I, I also would have loved to actually like, you know, see all this in real life and, you know, meet, meet readers as well. So yeah, <laughs> it's been, I, it's been kind of like, um, I would say I'm very grateful for everything and very happy about it, but that is one element that I would absolutely love to do more of. And so when, and given my writing schedule, it's been a little bit difficult to travel of late, but I have a little travel planned next year. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, keep monitoring your announcements because if you come to the US, I'm going to have to come see you at some point oh, on some that. stop that you do. I'll be like, please look at all the beautiful thousand, you know, editions that I have of your books because they're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope that you for that. Here. I, I don't draw. <laughs> oh, my. So your books mm -hmm. between like the fairy loot editions, the U.S. editions, the U.K. editions, mm -hmm. they are so freaking gorgeous. The artists, the cover artists that um, you're that has been on your team and has worked on your books they are they have done such an incredible job i'm just i'm telling you everything about these books is beautiful like the writing the characters the cover <laughs> it, they're just they're gorgeous they're absolutely yeah, I, I, gorgeous we feel very very like grateful to all the artists and you know the covers were all so different and yet to me they each brought out like a different part of the story as well like you know the u.s cover to me is very evocative and very romantic and the uk cover <laughs> over there it's like a very classic you know beautiful Chinese kind of like painting right so there I definitely love them all in different ways and I, I don't ever answer they ask me a favorite <laughs> you're like please one. don't please please don't ask me that Megan please don't ask me that I won't ask you that get a vague answer in return <laughs> <laughs> so let's move to our kind of end of interview questions our rapid fire questions but you can expand on these as much as you want I don't need quick answers I think I know the answer to this, but what is your favorite genre to read? Mm, really hard one. <laughs> I love reading fantasy. I love reading mythology. I think, I think when I read, I read Circe by Madeline Miller after a long time of not reading, and I love that book so much. <laughs> it's, it's it's so it's good. I know. I just couldn't put it down, and it was a long time since I felt that way about a book again because I took a long break from reading for a while. So. Um, love that. Gods of Jade and Shadow is also a favorite. I um, I also love reading like YA, like young adult, right? Like things like Hunger Games, you know, Cruel Prince. I love books by Stephanie Garber. So yeah. <laughs> I love oh, Stephanie books Garber's books are fantastic. Time romance, magic. Just a little bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything in there. Asking for much here. <laughs> now, if, so many wonderful books. <laughs> if you could only read like adult fantasy and adult romance or young adult fantasy and young adult romance 
what would you pick? To, what would you choose to read if you could only read one for the rest of your life, adult mm -hmm. or young adult? That is really hard. <laughs> How about the ones that cross in between? <laughs> I let's do new adult. There's that a, one that there's, <laughs> there's a lot, you know, that kind of like glides in between right now. And I think, I think I love both. I'm I'm not an expert at all in any of this, right? But I find different things to love in them. And sometimes it's just your mood. You know what I mean? I, if I feel like you know really really complex like worlds you know and really you know a lot of character motivation or I feel like really passionate romance and everything right so it's I'm kind of a mood reader as well so I think it really depends on what I feel like at a point in time so it does I'm the same way I and I have a problem where I usually am reading like three or four books at the same time <laughs> because I'll start a book I'll be in a mood and I'll start a book and I'll get halfway through and then my mood will change and I'm like I want to read something else so I'm going to pick this one up and then it just takes me forever to finish the books and it's not that they're bad I just I'm the same way though like my mood dictates what I want to read so I get that now <laughs> if you could write one trope that you haven't written already so it can't be love triangle because you've already written love triangle what would it be wow <laughs> let's see about you know I did like, I liked Forbidden Love, which I've written about. And I was thinking about it a little bit. Um, I think arranged marriage could be interesting and not just as like, you know, a short plot device kind of thing, but something that goes over the arc of the entire story. Because I was just thinking how it would be intriguing for a couple to be put in a situation where they have to spend a lot of time with each other. And let's say they're reluctant to do that in the beginning. <laughs> And they're starting from a place which they are less than friends as well, right? So I was just imagining the suspicion, hostility, and how that grows and evolves over time. So that that is definitely on my list. I haven't written that yet. So. Do you like I, <laughs> Yes, and I am 100% voting for you to write an arranged marriage book at some point because it's when they're done well, they are done. They're just, they're so good. I love arranged marriages and like the fake dating, you know, fake marriage, yeah, that kind of stuff. I love, I love I all those. Like putting up like a front and everything when there are all these different elements in play as well. And when you don't want to fall in love with this person or you don't like this person. So it's like in a way an enemies to lovers that's put into a situation where they're really like, you know, have to make things work at least right? on the outside. So it could, there, there's so many different ways it could take, or they could just like fight with each other all day long and have everyone watch. So. <laughs> It really depends. There are many, many different ways to tackle this. So, <laughs> Right. Well, and arranged marriage, I feel like fits so well into fantasy books. I just think that there's just so many ways, like you said, that you can play with the arranged marriage trope, especially in a fantasy. And it's, I can't wait yeah. for you to write it. That's all I'm going to say. I can't wait for you to write for that one day. Good, for the good of the kingdom. It's, it's <laughs> exactly. <that>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, <laughs> what are you currently reading and what is on your TBR list this month? What's up next well, for you? I am currently not reading anything because I'm trying to finish a draft. So I'm at the stage right now. Um, I'm at the stage where I find it when I'm when I feel this thing that the story is all coming together and all these different parts and I want to put everything together and then that's when I kind of need my mind very very clear and I find it very hard to read then so then to like you know unwind or de-stress I'll watch something you know like on Netflix or something um, but in terms of like reading I am very excited to read um, A Curse for True Love by Stephanie Garber recently I did read this book called um, A Song to Drown Rivers by Anne Liang which I thought was beautiful I love it 
and I think you should definitely check it out. <laughs> so, what was it called? A song? A song to drown rivers by Anne Leong. So, not me writing this down. The date, the date escapes me right now. I'm really bad at dates. So sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I wrote that down, so I will be looking into that book. It's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is asking authors what they're reading or what they're going to read next because a lot of the times they're reading books that aren't yet out yet and it just <laughs> it like it piques my interest and I'm like that one sounds really good I'm excited to read that so I have that yep, I'm going to be reading that one to read honestly like I wish because this year has been so much of writing that I haven't been able to read as much as I as I would like to and so it's so hard I have all these books and I'm like I wish I could read them all but it's sometimes you know I think when 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 you write at the same time, it can be complicated in terms of timing. And when there are lots of like deadlines as well, yeah, it gets tricky. Also, it does, to yeah. The, to gaze upon Wicked Gods by Molly Molly Chang. So yes. Yes, <laughs> I I haven't. I have an arc of it. And it sounds so good. I am yes. obsessed with the synopsis. I'm very yes. excited to see what you think about that one. Beautiful. Yes. We, we right. It that. does. <laughs> right. So I love this one. Yes, a hundred percent. Very excited. But... Now, what is the most valuable piece of advice you've received in regards to your writing? It could be when you first started out. It could be, you know, now while you're working on this draft at any point in your career. What's the most valuable piece that just has kind of stuck with you? It's really funny. When I first started writing, I didn't really, I didn't have beta readers. I didn't even know that we had beta readers, but my husband was my first reader and um, he was mean. <laughs> he, let, let me correct myself. He is mean. <laughs> and very harsh <laughs> it kind of like prepares you for for the whole like publishing journey in a way yeah but what's really funny is that sometimes okay this really gets me he'll like read and he might start laughing <laughs> he'd be like ha 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 what's this and I'm like oh my god okay I'm just gonna have to rewrite everything there <laughs> you're no, like but- I just I can't <laughs> no but you know what I think I think it's because he- I really appreciate the openness, you know, telling you like, you know, what works and what doesn't work, you know, even though, you know, the manner of it could be adjusted a little bit, but, and I, and what like resonates with me is, um, is like writing authentically, you know, trying to write something which, which I feel develops organically, like not it's something that, that, that happens. If there's anything that really happens, like it's something that, you know, it's been building or is, is true to what a character is like or anything. So that, that's one thing. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I just, and I think it's also really important to write what you love. It may not be, may not be something which you may be a complete expert in or anything, but just something that you know that really resonates with you that you feel very strongly about. You're also going to, have to spend a lot of time with that manuscript. <laughs> so I think I think that that is something which is important. So yeah, if you're going to spend that much time with it, hopefully you like it. <laughs> hopefully you find it interesting. Hopefully you like it. Because like you said, you're going to be spending a lot of time. Does not listen to this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's fantastic. Now, if you could invite any person over for dinner, dead or alive, who would you invite? Mm, I would would love to invite Michelle Yeoh. I'm a real fan. I I love her work and her movies. Um, And, you know, she's Malaysian too. (laughs) So I would absolutely love to spend time with her. I would also love to spend time with Madeline Miller because um huge, huge fan of her writing. And um, I would just love to hear her, you know, speak a little bit about her books, you know, Greek mythology, anything, anything she wants to speak about, really. So 
<laughs> you're like, please, you could literally talk about anything. Just please come to my house for dinner. That's all I want. You could what talk about, about anything and I'll listen. What about you? Who would, who would you like to invite? Oh my gosh, I was not expecting this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> right, the end of art. Honestly, I would probably have to say my grandmother. Uh, she passed away when I was 16. And uh, she always, always encouraged my reading habits and my writing habits. And um, I'm currently writing a book now. It's been like a three-year, four-year process of writing this book. And I'm just finally kind of like in the last round of edits, I think, before I query. And I would just like to have dinner with her to just kind of tell her how kind of how far I've come from, you know, way back then. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> no, I'm going to start crying. I am crying now. You can like, see it. I just, I think that would be really <laughs> cool to just yeah show her like what her belief in me has done, even though it took a really long time, you know, eventually that I'm finally slowly getting there. So I think I would. I'm sure she would be very proud. And I think, I think I and your answer really like resonates with me because um, my father passed away a long time ago. <clears throat> and sometimes I think I would have loved for him to see the book. He would be very proud of you. He would. Oh my God, I was not expecting to cry. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh my goodness. You out. It sounds like. <sighs> no, I'm not cutting this out. This is amazing. No, this, this is your answer. I'm putting it on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's my fault. I'll take the blame for that. No, no. Oh, that's I, mean, I think, yeah. You still miss them basically. Yeah. They're always they're always with you in one way or another. And yeah. I uh I think my grandmother hopefully would be proud and I know your father would be proud I obviously never met him but I know he would be proud because you've honestly like you've accomplished some incredible things and daughter of the moon goddess I read it when because it it was an arc when I read it and it I read it when I was going through a really tough period in my life um my mental health was not good and my depression was really bad and I was able to lose myself in that book mm -hmm. and not have to think about all the stuff that was going on in my real life. And so that book, specifically Daughter of the Moon Goddess, it it's very special to me and it really holds a special place in my heart. And just the fact that your books have been able to connect with readers in that way is an incredible thing. And I just, I know your, I know your father would be proud of you because that's, that's an incredible thing that you've done and that you continue to do with your writing and your book. So, oh my goodness. Thank you. I feel like giving you a hug. <laughs> I know, right? I'll give you oh a virtual goodness. hug. I'm so glad that this is on podcast and not on video because uh, we're both kind of a mess right now. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. This is why oh. I don't do video. Uh, this is why I don't do video. Yeah. But honestly, oh. it's... Definitely was not expecting that today, but I wasn't. I wasn't either. But like you yeah. said, there's, I think, there's something about these people who have made such an impact on our lives, like just making, trying to hopefully make them proud. So I get that. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. If you could invite any fictional person over for dinner, let's let's uh okay. let's jump to a different place oh, because I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna keep crying. Not make us cry. This will definitely not make <laughs> right. Don't cry, Megan. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> no, no, fictional, fictional. <laughs> you could invite okay. a fictional person don't know over for this dinner. Character. So, um, I love watching Chinese drama. Big fan. Um, one of my favorites is actually The Untamed. I, I don't know if if you've watched it or know of it. I haven't. It's on Netflix, and it, I think it's. I, I loved it. I thought it was just wonderful. And the main character there is called Wei Wu Xian, one of the main characters, and he's an absolute favorite of mine. He goes through a lot. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but he really goes through a lot. And I would just, you know, love to hear, you know, his side of everything he went through, everything he learned and did. And yeah, I'm going to stop there because it is it is a very, very intricate plot. And I just love the characters as well and how subtle so many things were. Like it conveyed so much with, with you know, the slightest of gestures and everything. So yeah, one, one of my favorites. And if you watch it, I hope you like it too. <laughs> So, and you said it's on Netflix, right? Untamed? Yes, it's on Netflix. Yes, Untamed. Insane. And it has like one of my favorite soundtracks. So the song is just beautiful. Ooh. Mm. This is another reason why I like doing these because I get to get all these <laughs> recommendations on things to watch yeah. and listen to. Okay. Now, where is a place that you haven't visited that you would like to, both domestically where you live and internationally? Mm, domestically well in Asia there are like a lot of places I want to spend more time in um I would love to see uh, like to spend more time in actually Seoul um I want to see more of China like specifically like Guilin and Lijiang which I heard are absolutely beautiful you know like mountainous areas as well um I want to come to the U.S. and spend more time there <laughs> so <laughs> that would be really really fun and another place that's on my list that I really hope to see soon is Iceland so Iceland is beautiful I went there a couple years ago with my dad <laughs> Um, and it was, it was gorgeous. It really, it really is a very cool country. I highly recommend it. I need to ask you for, for like advice, basically. We'll trade. <laughs> right. We'll swap, we'll swap a uh, recommendation. <laughs> okay. Now, last question. What currently brings you joy? You know, I think family is a very large part of it. You know, being, you know, people that I love, friends as well. Writing brings me a lot of joy, and I actually told people I need to get a new hobby sometimes. Uh, I love I love food, and I love music. Hiking is definitely a big part of it for me. Well, thank you so much, Sulin, for being here. Honestly, I was I was not expecting to cry in this episode, but yeah, it honestly thanks. was an absolute honor to be able to chat with you. I'm so grateful to you and appreciative of you. Um, that you agreed to be on here and especially with you being in edits right now and try and you know working on that I know how much time that takes and so just thank you honestly so much for being here you have no idea how much I appreciate it thank you so much for asking me again it was it was really such a wonderful chat with you and I was so happy to be here as well <laughs> well that's it for this episode I hope you enjoyed it and before I sign off I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to tune in if you want to stay up to date on episodes and announcements, please subscribe or follow me at The Real Bookish Writer or at The Well Read Podcast on Instagram. Thank you again for listening and have a magical day. See you next week.